Today's episode is a refreshing episode. You guys will really enjoy this one. I am joined by Mark Ritz, co-founder and CEO of Carnivore Snacks, um, a, an exploding brand over the past three years, incredible growth. Um, I think it's refreshing in the sense that it's just clear. It, Mark has very much clarity around the type of brand that he wants to build, type of influencer he wants to go after, the type of ads he wants to run um, based on what's working, clarity around even flexibility within that ad account, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think just a theme throughout was the clarity. So this isn't going to be the clickbaity case study, unique, uh, shiny objects tool and uh, strategy that's going to unlock your business. Uh, there's no hook, line, and sinker on this uh, episode. What I would just say is that there's a, a lot of clarity around the type of brand that Mark wants to build. And I think for people listening that maybe are distracted by the Twitter sphere and the LinkedIn content and everything online and think that there's all these different things that are going to scale their brand. Um, this is a refreshing episode to be like, what is the most important thing? What are the things that um, actually grow the brand? That's great product. Um, that's clarity around your goals, business outcomes, um, all these different things. So I'll stop there. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode and let's jump in. All right. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to the Influence Marketing Blueprint. I am solo pilot today. My partner, Taylor, and partner in crime is not here, but I am joined by a guest I'm really excited to talk about and talk to, uh, Mark Ritz. What's up, Mark? What's up, dude? Thanks for having me. What is your exact title at Carnivore? Co-founder, CEO. Let's go. I love that. All right. So tell us, tell the audience a little bit about Carnivore. Yeah, man, we got started. Uh, we got officially launched in 2020. Um, we launched on the backs of a, of a Kickstarter campaign that did did super well, which we can kind of dig into that a little bit and how we, we we were able to do that successfully, really on the backs of influencers. Um, and by about December 2020 was when we launched the website. And um, I mean, ever since really just 2021 to now, it's just been on. It's been on a rocket ship, dude. It's just been a, it's a unique product that just the market hasn't seen. So it's been exciting. And I didn't give it full credit. Carnivore Snacks is the the name of the brand. Um, we're not talking about uh, Mark being on the carnivore diet, which I don't even think you are. Uh, but the brand started because of your founder that was gung-ho into carnivore, correct? Yeah, she did the carnivore diet for very, I mean, very strictly, like just meat and water for just under three years. And she was, you know, super active on social, just like documenting what she was doing. She had tried so many different things. She, she really started off in the biohacking space. So always trying something new to try to optimize her health. Um, went vegan, was doing all the biohacking apparatuses and tools out there and all that stuff. And ultimately found that what um, <clears throat> cured most of her ailments was a strict carnivore diet. And uh, she just documented it every day for three years and, and became a pretty well-known name in the space along with the other big names and built a really good relationship with them. And uh, she didn't even realize that she was kind of 
building a, a business like the right way. And that's kind of building the following first. And so, yeah. um, yeah, she was effective there. So let's start with at the beginning, you said, uh, Kickstarter, you have this influencer founder that built an audience over three years of just actually living and breathing carnivore diet. And then when did the, okay, carnivore chips and snacks come out of this? Okay. We, we want to launch on Kickstarter and then just kind of break down for the audience. How do that sure. involves influencers? <clears throat> yeah. So I met uh, Sylvia uh, through one of a first business of mine that she was a supporter of. And then uh, when she, when she came up with the idea, she had the space to experiment and try different recipes because she was making a, uh, her aunt was making a similar product, but for pets and she was working for her aunt. And so she reached out to me one day, Instagram DM and just said, Hey, like, I think I landed on a product. Do you know anybody who can make a website? And I'd asked her to send me some product and she did. And when I tried it, I was just like, this is, this is absolutely game changing. And her and I had been pretty, pretty deep into the meat like space. And what I mean by meat space, it's meat space is, is interesting because meat is wrongfully vilified right now. And that's, that's yeah. the world we live in. And that's the voice we portray through the, through carnivore snacks brand. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I just asked if we could partner up and she was for it. And, uh, that's when we started to just really plan everything out and seed a bunch of product influencers, get their feedback first. They loved it. Um, and then we'd sent like a whole nother shipment out, like two or three different rounds um, and had a landing page up and just told people that we were going to be doing a Kickstarter. And so we built a pretty good list, like seven to 10,000 people, if I remember correctly, um, wow. ran a little so bit of ads. Okay. So you guys, I just wanted to pause you real quick. You were seeding product before you even had a landing page or like any sort of Kickstarter up. You're basically saying like, hey, what do you guys think of this? Just based on Sylvia's yeah. community and kind of like people she knew in the carnivore space. Yep. Exactly. Wow. Yep. That's awesome. Okay. So fast forward to the Kickstarter then. Now you have seven to 10,000 people on the list. You get a landing page up, you get Kickstarter up and then it's and just, just spread the net wide. <clears throat> we cranked, dude. I mean, we had, uh, I had met a really perfect, just a perfect copywriter um, to portray the voice of the brand and just built a killer Kickstarter page, great copy. Um, we actually flew out to um, White Oak Pastures where we first started sourcing our meat. And that's where we filmed our Kickstarter video. And it was just effective. It was really effective. Uh, I believe we did about 80K in the first two days. And then wow. we finished the campaign at 130K and then with all the post-purchase upsells and those tools that are available to you um, to plug into Kickstarter, we did another 70K. So we did about 200 grand. Okay. And that, that was 2020? That was 2020. Yep. Yeah, April 2020. Okay. So right at the start of COVID, finished out 2020 at what sort of run rate? And then what has been the growth since that point? 2020, um, we got all the shipments out to Kickstarter orders by about November-ish, launched the website December. Um, and then in 2021, we did about a million bucks. Um, 
we had a time where the business was shut down for a while because we had to get legal occupancy into a warehouse that we eventually moved into because where she was, it was just like so, so small. So she moved out to me, um, which I live in Ohio and she was in Arizona. So we operated for about seven to eight months in 2021 and we did about a million bucks. And then wow. um, 2022, we did 3.6. And then uh, 2023, we did just over 12. Incredible, man. Incredible. So what, what would you attribute to the success of that fast run rate? Um, <clears throat> I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely like a, a, a mix of my experience in the e-commerce space and just being able to get the right people in the right places and set up the infrastructure. But, mm -hmm. you know, that that only works as, as good as your, your product is. Like it, it works obviously better if you have a, a really good product. And uh, there's no question that our product is very different. It's very unique. It's very premium. Average order values are super high and people rebuy the hell out of it. So the LTV mm -hmm. is just, it's, it's a powerhouse for our business. And I would say the greatest impact is definitely the, the uniqueness and obsession with the product and its simplicity, because it is only two ingredients, just meat and salt. How much do you attribute just the tribe mentality of, you know, you know, like you know, whether it be carnivore, vegan, you know, paleo, keto, like, or even just skincare on, you know, paraben free and, uh, like all these different tribes that you can kind of attribute to. I think what I've seen is when you have a product that is really great in those categories, it's kind of the magic that you can have because people are gung ho about that particular diet, way of life, things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, I would say <clears throat> I agree with you fully in that first, like, you know, 30% of the time of running the business. Like we, we launched on the backs of our tribe and our tribe is still like with us, but yeah. the product is we didn't really want to be cornered in, in the carnivore space. <clears throat> like I've seen how these things work, man. I've, I've been into, I've been in this nutrition space for a long time. So I've seen how like paleo is like, and then, you know, yeah. it just comes down and then you see keto it's like, comes down and then you see carnivore snacks and, or I mean carnivore and we're still on the high end of carnivore for, I mean, no yeah. doubt. Um, but for us, it's just like two ingredients which is very hard to find in a meat snack. And so the audience there is just, they love it. So anybody who's ingredient conscious loves it. doesn't matter what yeah. diet you do. And then the, the hunting and outdoorsman type market has just absolutely come bum rushing for the product. Uh, it's, and, and, you know, these people sometimes aren't like even the healthiest individuals. Like when they're at home, they're eating, Maybe not the greatest foods, but when they're traveling and they are snacking and they're hunting, they want carnivore snacks. So I would say this tribe is like, it's super diverse right now and it's contributed yeah. to the fast scale. Yeah. Yeah. The tribe was, it, it got you going with your influencer, you know, founder, and then also, you know, the community that she was able to then leverage, which is incredibly powerful. But what I'm hearing from you too is, the product can't just exist within that silo. There's so many other places, especially when you're just talking about a food, regardless of you doing carnivore, people eat meat. <laughs> people love beef jerky. You know, like people are just used to having that. And so even in our first conversation, we were talking about 
hey what does it make sense or what does it look like for ufc you guys have had you know like had some dms or even some ambassadors in the ufc space we talked a lot about crossfit like being a huge massive thing like people and protein is also having its moment you know like there's protein and Reese's cups now, you know, it's like plant protein and I mean, yeah. we can get into the, that whole nonsense, but, um, it's still protein is like very popular, just proteins and like all product as like a, um, For sure. it's like the new organic label, you know, like eight grams of protein. Um, protein cetera, is taken over. <clears throat> I mean, look, we play aggressively on protein. It's in a yeah. bunch of our marketing material because it really has been what people have, um, just migrated to to take the stress off of the dogma diet and like limiting yourself so much. And it's just like, okay, how can I just prioritize protein? Because the science really continues to show that it really is arguably the most important macronutrient there is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm a health nerd myself, so I'm going to try to restrain myself from going down those rabbit holes. Um, (laughs) But I, I endorse what you're saying. Today's Power Minute is brought to you by Social Snowball, an affiliate platform for e-com that is focused on enabling affiliate partnerships for what I like to call the modern affiliates. So not the traditional affiliates, publishers, blogs, etc. This is the modern affiliates such as creators, ambassadors, influencers, customers, etc. So there's many things I love about Social Snowball. One of the first things that comes to mind is they eliminate all code leaks. So if your codes that have gone out to influencers or affiliates have ended up on coupon sites, Social Snowball would eliminate this. Also, it's very important to have a tiered-based system to motivate your affiliates to continue to post and generate revenue for you. So they make that super seamless. Make it super easy on the affiliate to get paid out any which way that they like. So Venmo, PayPal, uh, directly to their bank, on a Visa gift card, Amazon gift card, all et cetera. If you guys haven't checked them out, they're on the Shopify app store. Go check them out today. You're missing out. Um, they are clearly the best and our number one recommendation for affiliate marketing. Talk to, let, let's go back to what I was even mentioning in our first touch base when we first chatted about like the different kind of categories that you guys have explored, some of the influencer marketing. You know, Because if I'm listening to this, I'm a founder. Maybe I'm in the food and bev nutrition space. Okay, influencer, co-founder, huge advantage. I don't have that. You know, like that community that she was able to leverage, I don't have that. Um, from that point though, now I can start thinking about other categories where my business could eventually make sense and maybe get into the communities that I'm looking to get into. So how have you guys expanded out of, you know, you got that initial rush, initial run carnivore tribe, you know, initial network. What does that look like for you guys? Is that primarily a lot of people that have just bought the product organically inbound DM'd you saying, or is this you know, organic outreach, are you guys seeding product consistently month over month, you know, give us a little insight into what that influencer process looks like. We were, we were fairly aggressive on the influencer side for probably like the first, maybe year, year and a half of, of the business. Um, until we got who we have always considered before we even started this business, our, our, our big fish. And that was, you know, getting Rogan and, you know, Putting that in is the Joe time Rogan, and everybody. That's correct, Joe <laughs> Rogan. Sorry, I, I was just referring to him by his last name. <laughs> but um, I I went straight to that because I think it's really important to 
decide on who you think your fish is in terms of who will have the greatest impact on your company um, at scale. Like if you could just get that one person, because if you're, if you are like allocating a good amount of time to that, when it does happen, the amount of other famous and influencers like that just come to you. It's wild, dude. Like Mm -hmm. when Rogan shares, it's just like you get all those blue check marks. Well, now everybody's got the blue damn check mark. But before it was like that, (laughs) you know, you're just like, oh, who is this? And it's like an actor. It's like this person, this person, this person, this person. So like us being super focused on trying to get product into his hands uh, really changed the game for us in terms of uh, the time that we used to spend on seeding a ton of product, if that makes sense. It's not a massive part about what we do now. So if I'm listening to that, yeah, that sounds great. I have a big fish. I want to go after, I don't know why I just thought of Brad Pitt, but who, who would go after Brad Pitt these days? I'm not sure. But um, whoever the big fish these people's brands are thinking of, that sounds great, but I could try, 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 try. Is it attainable? So are you saying like, hey, just have this big fish in mind and maybe work downwards from there? What are other similar people? How do we work up to that? Or are you basically saying, because I would say Joe Rogan also is a little bit of an anomaly in the sense that he also posts about a ton of different products. He doesn't really care, you know, like he shares freely. He doesn't, he's not hiding, only talking about sponsors on the podcast. Like even one of our clients, Monkey Feet, was organically shared by him four times. And that's just because we seeded product to an influencer he was following. Um, And then their business, you know, skyrocketed. Not because of that, but that was a huge help, you know, so... He just he just doesn't flat out care. Um, so I think Rogan's unique compared to other big fish that maybe people are are thinking about. For sure, no, I agree. I mean, his authenticity and creates this level of engagement that even just some of the most you know biggest names in the world just don't have or don't do. Or maybe they're not as active sure. on social or whatever. So I I hear what you're saying there for sure, and that should be part of how you decide who the fish is. Like you don't want to just decide on like just some you know super famous person that you get on look at their instagram they got all these like followers but they never post nothing or obviously yeah. like, that to me seems like um some common sense but i would say it's a very good point that you bring up and you should be doing things alongside of trying to get your fish but to never give up on that because it will just change like how easy it is to get more really powerful. Well, why, why was Joe Rogan your fish? I mean, outside of, you know, he's the number one podcaster in the world and everybody listens to him. Um, it's just really the first time he tried the carnivore diet, dude, it was just so powerful. The amount of people that came and asked questions about the carnivore diet after that, I mean, he blew it up. So it was authentic. Yeah. What I'm basically hearing from you is authentic partnership where he was doing the diet um he's obviously into hunting he's into the like there's a lot of crossover between there because i think a lot of people when they hear just go after your big fish there's a lot of oh i think this is going to be the big fish and they, they have and they focus on that focus on that and then it ends up being a flop because it was actually the wrong person to go after um they didn't do any homework they just thought a kardashian could scale their business overnight yeah right um and there's a lot of noise out there. So, okay. It's a really good point. Go into, um, 
And then I want to talk about some of the the paid, but go into some of the how that Joe Rogan relationship has materialized because I think that is super interesting. I mean, it's been it's been super powerful. I mean, at, at this point, I mean, he's he has mentioned us around four or five times. Um, it's pretty unreal the impact. Uh, obviously, it's very humbling. Um, and he he was also a customer. Like, I think people just think that like. You know, he gets sent like everything. And I'm sure he gets sent things and stuff, but like, you know, dude was buying a thousand to two thousand dollars worth of product a month. So like you could you start to see it. Like the dude loves it. So why not try to engage with him and and take things, you know, a little bit further? Like, I mean, you gotta just be willing to reach out to people. And um, that's what that's what I did. And we were able to connect and we ended up even meeting him in in uh Columbus when he came in and did a comedy show. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's materialized into a pretty cool, pretty cool relationship. So that partnership, what does that actually look like? Is there any sort of deliverables that he has to hit monthly? Is they under a contract? Like, is he, yeah. What does no. that look like? If you don't mind sharing? Nope. No, there's no deliverables. There's nothing. We're not, we're not those people. We just look for authentic partners. Um, if you love the product enough and um, you're involved with the company a little bit, you know, authenticity will play out. So are you able to leverage Joe Rogan via paid ads? Uh, depends on the piece of content um, and where the platform, you know, where it originated. Uh, you know, yeah, I can't dive super deep into all of that, but um yeah, there's just some things like on Spotify and stuff that you gotta you yeah. gotta be careful. I will tell you that there's a lot of stuff out there that you see that are ads with you know him talking and stuff, and uh, it's not supposed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine. I would imagine so. Of course, we have some experience with that. Today's Power Minute is brought to you by Mighty Scout, an influencer tracking tool. So. You've probably heard Taylor and I talk about Mighty Scout at length in past episodes, but today we want to take special time to speak to it specifically. So if you are investing in any sort of influencer marketing to a degree, I highly suggest getting on Mighty Scout. First of all, it's going to track all of your organic posting that goes out. So if you're doing seating, pay for posts, you can drop in all your influencers by campaign. And then once those influencers are in those campaigns, they're going to immediately start being tracked if and when they mention you by handle or any hashtags that you give it. So it's gonna give and pull all that content most importantly, so that you can know who posted, you can reach out for content rights, et cetera. Also, it's gonna give you all the reporting and ROI on those things as far as metrics wise. So you're gonna be able to know the vanity metrics that go out around those those, um, influencer posts. You're gonna know everything that it goes into around influencer marketing uh, in regards to Mighty Scout. if you haven't checked them out, highly, highly suggest them. Go to MightyScout.com to find out more. What has been effective? I mean, so you're talking, okay, we've seeded product. We have these people posting about us. We have influencers that are talking about us all the time. Are you guys repurposing that content into your ads? What does that kind of look like? Are you guys working with UGC creators, things of that nature? Just taking me into the, like, the ad machine because what you've described is, you know, you have a, a really great product, really great business model, high AOV, great repeat purchase rate, great LTV. So obviously ads is crushing it, I would imagine. So what does that ad machine look like on the back end? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not as like, complex as, as others. Um, and I've learned that uh, 
<laughs> pretty aggressively over even the last few months. Uh, it's we're not like constantly seeding product to get content. Like there's um, a little bit of our TikTok ad agency. So, you know, I have somebody, I have an agency that handles Facebook, uh, um, Instagram and Google. So that's one agency. I got one agency that does TikTok. And then we also um, work with CTC just on kind of a growth uh, consulting side. And yeah. uh, the way the TikTok team does seed some product monthly to some UGC creators. And I've actually been quite surprised on how much that has worked just because UGC like seeding people that do it for making content. That's always a challenge for me. Cause again, I'm just like really looking for that authenticity, mm -hmm. um, which is why I think like UGC is kind of like not where it was in the beginning. It's just, you gotta be like, you know, sure. people like know that possibly someone yeah. paid to do that. Um, so we do a little bit of that, but I have our head of partnerships. Who's also in, um, the Instagram who has access to the Instagram account. And basically she just monitors it every day and any mention, any share, like if it's pretty good, like we're just responding to them and we're saying, thanks so much. Like, can we use this for ads? Mostly they will say, yes. I mean, 99% of the time. So yes. sometimes we'll offer some free like product or something to, to just get gotcha. access to the file. Um, so that's the other way we are um, getting a bunch of content. And then we just like, we track YouTube. Um, I want to really get more active on YouTube as a company this year, but we do track YouTube just because uh, the videos that come from YouTube are just a lot. Like you can really extract some gold just because they're longer. Yeah, um, totally. And so, yeah, that's how we're we're kind of just finding our content. So, so I, I don't have actually your ad library up, but what percentage of your ad library is actually like human forward content, whether that be UGC influencer models, I don't know, just oh, versus just man. like product on white background type thing. Oh, it's, it's gotta be 75% like video and just people talking about the product. See, okay. and, and is what, what we like to do is like not every video is just like perfect or great, or the person might not even look like, the the healthiest like resemblance of somebody that we their product and that's like okay like if if that person might not look like the model for us or something um what we have done and tested is as long as that product is out of the bag and in front of the camera we typically convert really well and if it's just a little bit of a like long dried out video or again person's not maybe a good image for the product will just show for like two to three seconds. And then we will do some voiceover and then cut to something else that might be some B roll. And we just, we really want to get good visuals of the product because that's what converts our ads the best. Um, love that. Yeah. That's what our ads team typically does. I love that. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, one of the things that we hear from meta all the time is that you need variety of content. You can't just get, what most people do when they see best performing ad, you know, what you just said, you know, like they, they see product on white background, they put blue background, black background, white background, all these different things. And they just make small iterations versus, and you end up in ad fatigue much quicker, but you need variety of different placements, different 
styles and because the ad auction sees that as very different and also the end consumer sees that as very different, which you convert different people on different ads, right? Um, but you're also pulling similar themes of what has worked traditionally, which is like show the product in the first three seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if that's going to continue to work, you hold that loosely because it might not work tomorrow, but it's hold it's held, you know, past success doesn't make well future success. But as long as that future success is staying the same, like you're just iterating on what is best performing. So I think a lot of times people think, oh, well, I can't I can't just make decisions on what has worked in the past. But you can pull similar themes um, and you do need variety of content. It sounds like you're doing best of both worlds. Yep, for sure. I love that. What would be your advice on getting started in a, in a space like yours for like the, the food and bev, the consumer product um, in terms of influencer, getting content for ads, kind of just like the whole nine yards of what we've talked about. We've talked about ad performance, we've talked about creative, we've talked about influencer. Like what, what would be your advice on, on the assumption that they have a great product? Because that obviously that's kind of like yeah. the no-brainer that makes the difference. <laughs> It does. I mean, it really does. Uh, you know, like the reaction to our product is just like, there's no way in hell that I want to forget about sharing this with the people that follow me because it's just like, they feel important because they found something that potentially others didn't know about. And it's that good. So yeah. if your product is just like, okay, um, which is sometimes just hard. You're like, it's hard to be a critic of your own product, right? Sure. Um, you're not going to get the same response. I mean, at least in my experience. So um, part of that is also seeding it to the right people and not just massive volume, um, especially if you're in the early days where maybe you don't have a ton of product behind you to send out. So right. I would, th that would be my thing is just like really understand who to send it to. I mean, it's so important. And then, uh, the product, it just make be different, be very, 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 very different. And if the product is good, but maybe it's just like not super different, like in terms of something that people haven't experienced before, then figure out what the brand, what the brand prop is like for us, we're a voice for meat in a time when meat's being vilified and people get that and they know it. Our taglines say yes to meat. So just anytime they're talking about us, anytime they see us, they just, it's like they're confident in a argument, you know, with somebody who might be supporting the vegan lifestyle. So like, you know, it's just gotta be a little bit something more to it than a decent product. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing from you and, I think a theme throughout this whole process has just been clarity, exact clarity on who you're going after, what you're offering, the type of content that you need to be promoting, the type of content that you want to run in ads, who you want producing your ads, the flexibility and clarity around maybe even this person not exactly looking like your prototype customer and being flexible to that because you want to lean into Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, very clear metrics. So. I think for everybody listening, um, clarity, clear is kind. That is the phrase, right? Being, being kind to yourself as well, but also to the customer, um, being very clear on what you guys are going after also to the influencer. Mark, 
fantastic conversation. I think those would be really valuable for people listening, especially in your space, um, but even not people outside of it. People want to find you further questions, just pick your brain on um, anything that you said to take it a layer deeper. Where do people find you? Yeah, most active on, on Twitter. Um, it's RitzFit, R-I-T-Z-F-I-T. Um, we're carnivore snacks. Snacks is spelled with an X. Carnivoresnacks.com. Um, other than that, I don't really get on anything, man. Just Twitter and making sure that the website is uh, still <laughs> selling product. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, go support, buy some product, and therefore you interact with Mark. But uh, if you have questions, hit him up on RitzFit on Twitter. And Mark, thanks again for the time. Hey, man, I appreciate it. It's fun. <laughs>